welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our show is all about a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, and perhaps more aware of what's going on around us, gaining a wider perspective that leads us to do something. And as you know, it's the first Saturday of the month, and on the first Saturday of the month, we have the Eastside Freedom Library. And my co-host for all of the Eastside Freedom Library shows is my friend Peter Ratcliffe. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. Welcome, everybody. I so enjoy when you're my co-host for our shows. So you've got some great guests today. We do. Um, We're really focusing on labor issues and thinking about labor here in the month of March and looking at labor in many different ways. So we're looking through the lens of art, and we have our friend Wendy Knox, the artistic director of Frank Theater, who's going to talk with us about their opening of the play Cradle Will Rock. And we have Robin Gully, who's the executive director of the new project, the new Brookwood Labor College. And we're going to hear about the new approach to labor education and educating activists into the working class that Robin is going to talk with us about. Well, welcome to you both. Great to be here. Glad to have you, Wendy. So nice to have you too, Robin. But before we go into that conversation, I always like to get our audience knowing a little bit more about the East Side and how this is the former Arlington Hills Library, a very cool library on the East Side, a a Carnegie Library. It has that charm and and just cool factor uh, when you go there. And, And tell me just a little bit more for our audience, especially about your mission. So our mission is to inspire solidarity and to advocate for justice and work towards equity for all. Um, And we're doing that through compiling resources, um, like 20,000 books and the Hmong archives and visual art. Um, And we're doing it through programming. And the programming ranges from live theater and music to poetry readings to panel discussions, candidate forums, all kinds of on-the-spot activities. So bringing all of that together in what is St. Paul's most diverse neighborhood, the Greater East Side, um, it's a place where we think that new knowledge gets produced by the interactions of people who come within our doors. I also love that the heart of all of it is story. Yes. um, You know, that we want to encourage people to tell their stories and encourage people to listen to each other's stories and explore the ways that our stories intersect. And I believe when we really start to understand stories, because stories don't always threaten us, it's, they intrigue us, mm-hmm. that when we can begin to understand our story better and someone else's story, it creates another story that is greater than the sum of greater its parts. Than, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And this month in particular, you're looking at labor. Why uh, are you seeing this as something that's important right now? Because I have a feeling there's a few very good reasons that you well, want to share. Are, sure. I mean, there, it's, it's, first of all, it's our you know, deep historic mission mm-hmm. um, to encourage working people to understand themselves and their experiences within the framework of a class society and and where they fit, but also to see how they can find ways to empower themselves by organizing unions, by using those unions to address issues of injustice and unfairness. So, I mean, maybe one of the keys is that a report has just come out that says that in the year 2018, more workers actually went on strike than any year since 1986. Well, that's good news. Yes, that, I mean, that, it certainly people suggests are people are, right, are waking up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think led by teachers, uh, led by public employee unions. And we've seen some great uh, marches by those We certainly have, yeah. yeah. And, and also, many of those teachers have been inspired by the work done by the St. Paul Federation of Teachers and their concept of bargaining for the common good. And under the auspices of the American Federation of Teachers, they conducted workshops, some of them at the Eastside Freedom Library, for teachers in unions and local unions around the country how to engage parents and communities, how to understand the ways that kids need more librarians and social workers and 
other kinds of resources and to understand the value of smaller class size. And so these are all issues that the St. Paul teachers have been leaders in and have really helped to inspire teachers unions around the country to take the lead and then inspire the rest of us that we don't have to take the hand that we've been dealt, that it's possible to play those cards differently and create a better opportunity for ourselves and the people who depend on our work. One of the things that strikes me from what you say is that it feels to me that there's a heart and there's also a pride Mm -hmm. and that I think it's important in the labor to have that sense of pride. We talked a little earlier uh, as we were getting ready for the show about the the different aspects. And I I worry sometimes that the labor – the labor movement doesn't always have the same pride that it had at once at one time. Well, and how I, to build that. right, and I think that studying that history and there are many ways to study that history. They can mm-hmm. study the history through a class that I'm going to teach through the New Brookwood Labor College. They can study the history by attending Frank Theater's production of Cradle of Rock and and seeing what how workers told their own stories in 1937. So. History is really available to us in in many ways if we just look for it. And with that, shall we start talking a little bit about the Brooklyn? Um, tell me again the name of the – it's not Brooklyn. Brookwood. Brookwood. <laughs> Brookwood New, something else. Yeah. <laughs> Brook, Brookwood College. Right. Let, let's, let's launch into the Brookwood sh- College. Sure. So the, the word, the name Brookwood uh, came from – a labor school in the 1920s and 30s at a time very similar to the 1990s and early 2000s when the number of workers in unions was shrinking, the effectiveness of unions was being questioned, and some dedicated people together came together in northern New Jersey and launched something called the Brookwood Labor College as a place for workers to learn critical thinking and for workers to build relationships with each other um, so that they would have people to bounce ideas off of and, and learn from. And studying that history has inspired some people here in the local community to imagine the development of what we're calling the new Brookwood Labor College. And Robin Gully, who's with us this morning, has been a leader in that project and has has newly become executive director of the new Brookwood Labor College. And that and 250 might get you a cup of coffee, but, <laughs> but it's it's an impressive title. And, well, and, and Robin leadership is, is right, part of what you're teaching. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Robin? Yeah, so last summer we convened a group of uh, what's ended up being maybe a dozen or so uh, leaders from unions across the Twin Cities who have been working together to imagine what uh, labor education, um, what a labor college might look like today. So when Brookwood was uh, in existence, it was um, in operation from 1921 to 1937, and it educated about 600 leaders who went on to lead some of the biggest organizing drives and strikes of the 20th century and really changed the face of labor. Um, Today, we're facing a lot of similar challenges, and uh, furthermore, wealth has become even more concentrated in the hands of very few people, and we find ourselves often in the working class fighting against each other for small bits of the wealth that exists in the country. I mean, three billionaires in the U.S. own 50%, own more than 50% of the wealth, um, which is a really incredible statistic. So and one, up- one has to pause and wonder, are we in a democracy or an autocracy right. at that point? Yeah. Uh, not only that, but labor is changing really quickly. So um, we, you know, where people used to be able to get a full-time job and support a family, now many people are working multiple jobs. They're working contracting gig positions uh and they're not protected and they might not get the benefits they often don't get the benefits and especially if you're not doing a full-time job and there's been lots of incentives not to if someone is not a full-time employee you know so you have opportunities for 30 hour yeah a week that that are just under the the minimum for not getting benefits well and often contract positions don't have any hours associated with them so for example as adjuncts you know the um 
it's frequently the case that there's no hours assigned to the position, so no one's paying attention to how many hours you work, and you still don't have access to benefits. Well, what I think is interesting about our show today is that we're talking about the the vision for the future, but we're also taking a trip back memory lane. And we've got Wendy, and I, I know we only have a minute or so just to give us a hint, and then we'll go into the next segment sharing more about your show. But yours is from like 1937. The piece was written in 1937. It was part of the, the WPA Federal Theater Project. So um, it was first produced and the first in 1937, and that production became sort of uh, controversial and uh, remarkable in 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 its um, in its happening. It's it's a musical. So is it kind of like the Labor Follies? <laughs> oh. No, it's it's a musical. I mean, it is it is a sung through piece, meaning the music continues throughout. Um, but very eclectic styles. It's re- the music is written by Mark Blitzstein, who was influenced greatly by Bertolt Brecht and Kurt uh-huh. Weill. And um, it's very it's very funny and very pointed, and it's a great piece to be working on. You mentioned it's almost like an opera to some. Yes, it's sometimes referred to as a labor opera because it's it's about. Uh, it's it's about uh, Steel Town USA, which is being taken over by this sort of industrial magnate, Mister Mister, mm-hmm. who's taking over, buying out every segment of the of the town, and and then the steel workers come together, and there's a um, rousing finale. I am looking forward to hearing more about that. For more information on this, you can also go to franktheater.org. Also, for the Eastside Freedom Library, I always want to make sure that I give a plug to the Eastside Freedom Library um, website. www.eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. And you're going to stay tuned with us because you're not going to want to miss hearing about this fabulous show at Frank's Theater. As you know, we shamelessly plug the folks that come on the show, and this will be a wonderful show. And we're also going to learn more about Brookwood College. So stay tuned. Stay with us. Our veterans need you. There are more than 8 million enrollees in health care at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans from previous generations. And veterans from today's wars. Challenging medical conditions. And more women returning than ever before. Or redefining health care is provided. Serve those who served our nation. Bring your medical and health care skills to VA. America's heroes need you. Visit vacareers.va.gov. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, your source for elder care and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live call-in show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding elder care and caregiver issues to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your best quality of life. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show and learn more about us at minnesotahospice.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the Eastside's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can go solar with All Energy Solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth? For one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar and visit All Energy. EnergySolar.com today. 
Hello, I'm a professional announcer voice. I voice professionally, just like Fearless Comedy Productions, except they don't voice, they comedy. And starting March 29th at 7 p.m., they will professionally comedy for 50 straight hours. 50 straight hours. You can join them at the Phoenix Theater in Minneapolis for just a suggested donation of $20. Learn more or watch the event online at DieLaughingMarathon.com. That's DieLaughingMarathon.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we've been having a great time already discussing labor. And we're looking at a, a way of looking at it for the future with education as well as the arts. And as you know, this is the first Saturday of the month, so it's the East Side Freedom Library. And I've got Peter Reckliffe, who is my co-host today. Hi, Peter. Hi, Lori. Peter, if you wouldn't mind, would you recap a little bit about what we talked about in the first segment and also set the stage for our discussion with Wendy? Sure. So um, we were talking about the 1930s and today. And and I think it's very important to realize that the moment that we're living in today, which Robin was describing in terms of the gig economy, contracting work, work that doesn't pay benefits, you were saying about work that doesn't provide a full-time job, um, and how that work is what the labor movement needs to figure out how to engage if there's going to be a better future. Uh, for working people. And in the 1930s, which many people only think about, if they think about it at all, in relationship to something called the Great Depression, which mattered, but also what was going on in the 1930s is who workers were in the United States was changing. More of them were African Americans who had come from the South. More of them were immigrants from Southern, Central, and Eastern Europe who had come since the World War I era. So who the workers were was different and what work was like was different because it was the era of mass production, uh, people like Henry Ford and the assembly line. So more and more of the work was unskilled. More and more of the work was being done by people who didn't speak English. And today we're living in a moment where very similar things are going on. Many new immigrants have become the critical workers in growth industries like healthcare, retail, shipping, and service work. Um, they are the future uh, of the labor movement. And, and so there's a lot that we can learn by going back and studying what happened in the 1930s. And I can't imagine a better way to study than to enjoy a play and particularly – a rousing musical play. And we have Wendy Knox, who is the artistic director of Frank Theater, who's putting on a show coming up in the middle of March, right? March 15th? Is yes, it? we open March 15th. And the name of the show? It's The Cradle Will Rock, written by Mark Blitstein, and we'll be at the Gremlin Theater, which is at 550 Vandalia in St. Paul. So tell me about how it's meant to you to do the show. You mentioned in the first segment that you've done this once before. Are there things that you're learning now mounting the show the second time? Oh, definitely. And it's also, the first time we did it, we had never done a musical. Mm. And so it started off with several people had recommended it, perhaps Peter, but some other people said. So we did a reading of it in my living room with, and I mean, again, I didn't realize that it was music throughout. So thankfully we did have a piano there and we had someone there who could, pick through the music but we just read through it for the first time and uh it was then we were all excited we got to do this we got and that we staged at the uh the sears building had been empty for eight years sitting there on lake street in south minneapolis and uh we somehow got the city to give us the keys and so we staged the piece there and um it was uh, a, quite an event, and I think the experience of going into that building for many of the people along Lake Street who had raised their families by working at Sears, uh, I had moved into the neighborhood, and when I first moved in, a lot of the old-timers on the block, they all had stories about working at Sears. And, and so uh, since it had been empty for so long, a lot of people were 
really thrilled to come back. And people had stories. I bought my first air conditioner there. I bought. I had my first job there. So when I was a kid, my grandpa took me there. Yeah, I, mean, I have memories of getting yeah. the popcorn and walking around the, the Sears while Grandpa was in the you know various departments to pick up the stuff he needed. Right, and it was great because when they gave us the keys and we wandered through, someone had said it was the second largest piece of real estate in the state of Minnesota at the time. I don't know if that's true, but it, just wandering through, there had been a flood there, so it was just kind of you know just seeing this the remnants of the history of the building was fascinating um so um but we didn't know what we were doing uh but it was great and there were several strikes going on in the in the area at the time the metro transit workers were on strike and was it seiu no the AFSCME clerical workers at the university yeah so we offered ticket deals for strikers to come in and it was it was a great it was, it was a great experience so um and now, 30 years, no, 15 years later, um, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. And so uh, we did our first show last fall over at the um, the Trans- Minnesota Transportation Museum in St. Paul. And um, now this is our second show. And in trying to figure out what we're going to do to mark our 30th anniversary, I was trying to figure out, we've done a lot of Bertolt Brecht, um, and that seemed to be something. But... I think it was after some particular active news day. I just thought a great shot of agitprop <laughs> theater would be good. So, and people have asked, when are you going to do Cradle again? When are you going to do Cradle again? And so, we're in a bona fide theater this time. Um, so it's a little bit different, but it's uh, it's it's great realizing how uh, how much a piece from that time still just resonates so strongly with what's going on today. You know. What themes do you think will resonate with the audience uh, as uh, that resonate with you right now that are powerful about the piece? Well, it touches on people in all the different sectors of the community. I mean, there's the church, there's the um, academy, the university, there's uh, a woman who doesn't have a job. She's a streetwalker. Um, there's... Um, what else is there? I'm trying to think. But each one of these that the the um, the money man in the show, Mister Mister, who has bought out, he uses his money to buy out each of these areas. And you see that today in the headlines. You can look at what's happening in the environment, what's happening in the mines up in northern Minnesota. You can see the buyout of arts venues locally. You can see just the way the uh, universities, the, the rise of like for-profit university. I mean, just you see how money. Uh, changes changes everything and so this piece is it's a very interesting and it's very broadly drawn but also very points it's it's uh, very stylized and almost cartoonish but it really shows how and again it's so much reflects what's going on today you know and to get tickets you can go online to www.franktheater.org and purchase them there Terrific. And you were saying something about talkbacks. Right. So there are many ways to process uh, what people might experience at the show. We're going to have a conversation on Monday, March 4th at the library with Wendy and some of the actors. And then every Sunday while during the run of the show, uh, they will have a, a talk back after the show. And you don't have to have had tickets to attend the show that day to show up for the talk back. You want want to say a little more about that, Wendy, please? Because we're interested not just in our talk backs. We're not interested in just like, oh, how do you learn all those lines? Or, you know, we're not interested in hearing necessarily, oh, how I really like that scene. We're interested in what the work that you saw on the stage, what does that spark in your head and what ideas you start thinking about? So for our discussions, we invite various members of the panel of the community come in and have some aspect on some, some, they have a perspective on some aspect of the play and we ask them to respond to the piece. So it's a, it's a, it's a, um, the discussion varies depending on who's on the panel and who's in the audience and what questions they have. That sounds wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the show. It sounds terrific. And, and I'm excited that it, it's all part of a conversation, a broader conversation about labor. Absolutely. And, and what that can mean. And, and our next segment will be focusing on the future of um, the labor movement and ways that the Eastside Freedom Library is supporting that education. Great. And so stay tuned. Stay with us. It's going to be a great show. 
Brighten your winter with an optimistic tribute to the invincible human spirit. Girl Friday Productions presents Thornton Wilder's Pulitzer Prize-winning classic, The Skin of Our Teeth. The Skin of Our Teeth plays February 7th through March 3rd. Fresh, unexpected, and very funny, this tale is surprisingly relevant for today. Follow the trials of an eternal American family residing in prehistoric and contemporary New Jersey. They survive the Ice Age, the Great Flood, World War, and family strife, all with their hope intact. Joel Sass directs this large cast production on stage at Park Square Theater. The Skin of Our Teeth previews begin February 7th with opening night February 9th. Don't miss The Skin of Our Teeth, a comedy of epic proportions. Oh, did we mention the dinosaur? Visit parksquaretheater.org for tickets. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. As a teacher, having a foster grandparent in my room, it it enables me to have an extra set of hands. Foster grandparents are role models, tutors, and friends to children with exceptional needs. It's been fantastic having Grandma Freddie in our room. It is the best feeling in the world. I'm a best student because of her. To learn more about how to become a foster grandparent and help children in need, call 1-800-942-2677 or visit SeniorCorps at nationalservice.gov. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Saturday, chance of snow, partly sunny with a high near 18. Sunday, mostly sunny and cold with a high near 3. And Monday, partly sunny with a high near 6. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week is The Great Wall. Just north of 50th and France in Edina, The Great Wall Restaurant has been providing a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and we're talking about labor today, and we're talking uh, about the cool things that are happening with the Eastside Freedom Library, and Peter is here with me today, who is my co-host and who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Peter Ratcliffe, tell me about, uh, give me a quick summary of what, what, what we've been talking about with our audience who may have just joined us. Well, I think we're, we're talking about the convergences in workers' experiences today with experiences in the 1930s. Um, we're talking about accessing those similarities through the musical play Cradle Will Rock. At Frank at, Theater. At Frank Theater. Um, and also conceptually with the new Brookwood Labor College and its relationship to the Brookwood Labor College that trained 600 activist organizers in the late 1920s and 1930s, something that we hope to begin doing again based at the Eastside Freedom Library. So we're not practitioners of nostalgia at the Eastside Freedom Library, but we do think that it's productive to have a conversation between the present and the past in order to figure out how to make a better future. And why don't you introduce our guest again? Yes. The yes. New Brooklyn. Right. And so we're joined today by Robin Gully, 
who is the executive director of the new Brookwood Labor College and someone who is steering our effort to get this exciting new project off the ground. So, Robin, tell us about the mission and vision. New Brookwood Labor College aims to educate workers into the working class. Um, we're uh, specifically targeting folks who are true believers in the labor movement, who believe that a strong labor movement can move the working class forward, um, and who believe in an expansive vision of the working class. So not one that's limited to people who are on the brink of poverty, but one that includes ev- everyone who is dependent on wage labor, essentially. Um, and and perhaps even more expansive than that, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so New Brookwood... Uh, has been envisioned by a group of about 12, maybe 15 folks who have come from labor unions and um, organizations that I would say are labor adjacent, uh, who have been working together to envision what uh, labor education would look like today. So there are a lot of training programs for labor, um, but we are really interested in in deep thinking and debate about uh, the past and the future of the of the labor movement. So this is a time when the labor movement is under attack um, by the government, by employers, um, by the right wing, and it's a and it's a really important time for us to consider what does an inclusive labor movement look like and how can we move that forward. We talked a little bit before the show, and and the word deservability came to mind in some of our conversation. How are you addressing the deservability and in, in create and inspiring that pride? Yeah, so um, we believe that every person deserves. So I come from a human rights background, so I believe in human rights, and I believe that every person has the right to a life lived with dignity and has the right to having basic needs met. Um, We are looking at a world where we have plenty of wealth, but it's not being distributed, and millions and millions and millions of people do not have the resources that they need to live a life with dignity. Here in the U.S., that means not being able to access quality and affordable health care. It means not being able to have adequate housing for your family. It means sometimes not being able to send your kids to schools that are safe um, or where they're getting an education and and lots of other things uh, that I think a lot of us can relate to very deeply. Um, So New Brookwood Labor College is working to um, address the root, to really consider the root causes of that and think about how we can move forward and what an inclusive labor movement looks like. Um, The labor movement has also changed. It uh, it looks very different today than it did in 1937, Um, but I should say that Brookwood was co-educational. It was integrated. It was um, progressive. It its- was very progressive <laughs> for its time. Yeah. Um, and even for today, yeah. uh, they had a very forward vision. But today, I mean, the labor movement is not – it looks different, right? I mm-hmm. mean um, – but uh, people of color, women are still lagging f- so far behind white males in terms of wages and benefits and their ability to support their families. So considering uh, intersecting identities um, is an incredibly important part of the work that we want to do and figuring out what that means it, you know, when we look to move the labor movement forward. Do you want to share about the classes that you're looking yeah. to develop? Yeah. So our first two classes start on April 12th. Um, it's Friday. They're going to be every Friday for 10 weeks at the Eastside Freedom Library. Uh, our first two classes are called People's History – I'm sorry, <laughs> Working Class History and People's Leadership. Um, the first class, Working Class History, is going to be taught by Peter Reckliff of the Eastside Freedom Library and one other person who we think we have him uh, – we think we know who it is, but <laughs> I don't want to say this yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second class, People's Leadership, is going to be taught by me and by Carlton Scott from Minnesota Nurses Association. All of our classes are developed with one academic and one labor person. And I should say an academic who is you know, who is also situated in the labor movement and who understands the labor movement, and then one person who comes from a labor organizing background. Um, 
So, and then our second class is, so the Co- go, the cohort model that we're using uh, includes four core classes, and then we'll add classes to that as we go forward. But the second classes are going to be um, economics and trade and uh, and organizing. So I'm curious about your own personal story and, and why you have taken this on, you know, mm-hmm. why you decided to be the executive director and, and what, what personal connection you have to this. Yeah, I think there are a lot of stories that I could tell, but um, I came from a working class family. My mom is a dance teacher. My dad works worked for an insurance company. Uh, he does other things now, a lot of gig work, um, contract work, like a lot of folks. Um, so I would say that over so i've been in and out of the out of organized labor for a long time i started studying labor history when i was in college and uh did a lot of work on labor research when i was there and i've done labor organizing with um seiu healthcare minnesota where i went out and uh organized home care workers to form a union i also worked with uh faculty at the University of Minnesota when they were trying to form a union. Um, But one of the things that really uh, I think is important to my story is that I was a single parent for a long time. And in my life, I felt like, you know, I had done all these things right. I followed the path that I was supposed to. I went to college out of high school. I finished two master's degrees. I have a lot of work experience. And yet, Finding like a job that would pay our bills and pay for childcare and pay for student loans and pay rent was so hard. And I felt like it just shouldn't be this hard. It just shouldn't be this hard when you've done everything that you're supposed to do. And it's still, there's a barrier. And there's still a barrier and you're still being told like, you don't deserve more, and if you really cared about this work, you wouldn't care so much about your wages and, you know. Diminishing. Yeah. So your vision, if this were, you know, let's say 20 years from now after you've created this, what does that look like? What does the world look like that's been impacted? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So we hope to educate 30 to 50 people a year at New Brookwood Labor College, and we uh, are really interested in continuing to explore what it means for us to advance the working class. So um, in the short term, that means thinking about things like, uh, do we just have classes in person or do we also have them online? Do we try to share our curriculum with other places? Do we, um, you know, send our educators to other places when they're looking to teach this curriculum? Uh, In 20 years, I would like to see that we'd have the same impact that Brookwood had in its time, that we were sending people back into the labor movement and that they were advancing, that they were changing the labor movement to make it more inclusive and to expand the labor movement. What does it look like to you, Peter? How does society change by having more respect for the labor and and having a strong labor movement? Well, I... uh it's such a profound transformation to to think about that yeah. um, you know at, at a very personal core that people would have pride and not shame um, about what they're doing and whether that's taking care of people at the end of their lives or uh, building homes for people who need homes or teaching kids who need to be taught that all of that is is a source not only of making a decent living but but also of pride um, and and I think you know things that we wrestle with like the opioid ec- epidemic or crime or Basic suicide you know all of these yeah. things that that these are all you know, these problems are related to the way people are being damaged every day by not being given credit for the the value that they provide for their communities. And so it, it, it really is a very deep transformation of, of what's valued in our society. And what I would hope also is that because so many people have to have so many part-time jobs just to make mm-hmm. it, that there is no rest. I mean, it's always yeah. – work right can there be a time again right. where we have 
a leisure that mm-hmm. is to recharge your batteries and be able to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think families are being pulled apart because they're there's not time for family yeah. if we need to worry about having a house and food on the table right. or you know a home right. of, of whatever um what what would it mean to be able to have that opportunity um i yeah. think would be powerful yes yeah. yeah absolutely and what will it take do you think well i i mean i think it's it it will take a, a lot of organizing. I think that I like to talk about the ways that means and ends are connected. And I think that the process of struggling to create a society that's more just is itself a process that will make people feel better about each other and themselves. And so it becomes a way of healing um, by getting involved. And uh, I think it'd be really exciting. Um, it is exciting to be doing what we're doing on a small scale. It would be all that more exciting to be doing on a larger scale. I, I'm always looking at beginning with the end in mind. So I'm always interested. You're about to say something. Yeah. Um, I One of the things that I would really like to see us transform would be the way that people identify with each other. I think that we live in a world where folks feel so divided. I mean, we can see this all over the place, right? Not only, I mean, we can see it in our government, but we can also see it in our neighborhoods. I mean, um, you know, social media has been made it really simple to see when people are accusing folks of like, you know, oh, this guy came to my door and I was nervous that he was trying to rob me or something like that. I would like to... uh, I would like to see a world where we trust each other more and where we have more faith in each other. And we see shared values. Yeah. And celebrate shared values in a positive way and not not live in fear. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. And more good stuff to come. We're wrapping up this segment, but in our next segment, we'll we'll hear about some events taking place at the Eastside Freedom Library. So you don't want to miss that. Stay with us. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the Eastside their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Hey, it's Brett from our new 4 p.m. show, the Minnesota Progressive Repartee. And I'd like to invite you to another repartee of sort. It's the 2019 Blue State Ball. This will be the fourth Blue State Ball I've attended, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Why? Well, because after those tough times of living through the Donald Trump election and the Republican Congress, we finally turned the tide last November with the Blue Wave. So come celebrate all your hard work last year of door knocking and getting out the vote at the Blue State Ball on Saturday, March 2nd at the Blaisdale in Minneapolis. VIP gets started at 5 with general admission at 6.30. I'll be there along with my repartee co-hosts, Doug Padgett and Hunter Haas. Matt McNeil, Ellie Krug, and Robert Pilot will be there. And so will our headliners, Tom Hartman and John Fugelsang. This year's ball is sponsored by Northern Sun and Howling for Wolves, while we'll have some delicious mouth-watering food from its Greek to me. So let's party at the Blue State Ball on Saturday, March 2nd at the Blaisdale and celebrate the Blue Wave. Tickets are now only available at the door. Find details at am950radio.com. The stage is set with a motionless tableau, the actors frozen in mid-action, their faces conjuring up an ancient freeze. At the snap of fingers, the spell is broken. The statues spring to life and Antigone begins. Park Square Theatre presents Antigone on stage February 1st through March 3rd. A reimagined adaptation of this classic Greek drama explores civil disobedience, fidelity, and a family torn apart by pride. This electric production brings the action directly on stage with an all-female cast playing the roles. The battles between the laws of the gods and the laws of the people rages. Who is right when all are certain? 
What are you willing to die for? Be a part of this epic event at Park Square Theater in St. Paul. Tickets and more at parksquaretheater.org. That's parksquaretheater.org. your host and we've been talking about labor through the arts and through education and i have peter ratcliffe who is my co-host from the east side freedom library good morning Lori, and good morning everyone out there um i don't want to go any further in this show without reminding everyone that we're here because of the generosity of brunson's pub uh on Payne avenue right around the corner from the library and it's a place to celebrate the stories of the east side and also to have wonderful food and community so we want to thank our brothers and sisters at brunson's pub for making it possible for us to be here and to check out their menu you can go Go to brunsonspub.com. The cool thing about there is you can go and get some um, discounted gift cards just because you've listened to the show. You can say that you are an AM 950 listener or you can say that you are a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library and you get a discount and you got to check out the menu. The menu is absolutely amazing. And it's really a place where history and passion are part of every detail. So check it out. Enjoy. Come down When you go to the Eastside Freedom Library, yep. make sure you stop at the Brunson's Pub. Right. So I want to do a, a, a quick shout out to our friend um, Wendy Knox, who was here earlier, and her show that's coming up, Cradle Will Rock. If you're interested in seeing that show, I encourage you to go to franktheater.org. It's a 1937 labor opera. Yeah. Uh, and then we've been talking to our friend Robin Gully uh, of the new Brookwood Labor College, who's the executive director. I know you wanted to share about an upcoming fundraiser launch. So we have a launch party and fundraiser on March 20th at the St. Paul Labor Center on West 7th and Smith in St. Paul. Uh, We would love for folks to turn out and talk to students in our first cohort and talk to the working group who have been envisioning the labor college um, and just learn more about what we're doing and what we hope to accomplish. Uh, So it's March 20th from 5 to 8 p.m. You can RSVP by emailing newbrookwood, that's N-E-W-B-R-O-O-K-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Um, and how do people sign up if they want to be part of your, your college? Yeah, so we have an application open on our website right now. It's at newbrookwood.org slash apply. We would love to have folks apply to join us for the first cohort. And you've got some programs coming up this this month. Tell us about what's happening in March. Right. There's lots of things going on, but some that I want to highlight, um, particularly on this theme of labor. Um, we're going to have a conversation about the labor movement and health care reform um, on Monday evening, the 25th of March. And uh, we will have a panel that will feature um, – Jamie Gully, the president of SEIU Healthcare Minnesota, Rose Roach, the executive director of the Minnesota Nurses Association, and State Senator John Marty, who has been a real leader in the effort to bring health care to all. So we're doing a series once every month, Labor Movement and, as a way, like Brook, New Brookwood Labor College, of trying to build a more inclusive labor movement, figuring out what our relationship is. Uh, to ongoing social movements. So again, join us on Monday, March 25th. And then I want to jump ahead and, and, and look into early April for a second. Um, and, and that is on April 4th. Uh, there will be the fourth annual Union Job and Resource Fair. The first three took place at the Eastside Freedom Library. Um, and interestingly, they've been so successful that we've had to move them to a larger space. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and we will be at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 110 Hall on Conway Street at 1330 Conway Street in St. Paul um, on the fourth on the fourth of April on the fourth of April okay. yes and and we're expecting somewhere between 40 and 50 unionized employers including union apprenticeship programs that allow people to earn while they learn and we've had somewhere between 125 and 150 job seekers from the east side you don't have to be from the east side to come it's open to anyone um it is a resource as well as a job fair so it's an opportunity to learn 
how having a union job can make your life different um, and how to gain access to those kinds of jobs in different sectors, the building trades, but also government, also healthcare, uh, also groceries and retail. Where are the unionized jobs and, and how can you get in line to get one? I'm excited that you outgrew and that you're, yeah. you've got a partner in the community. I mean, it's kind of bittersweet yeah. for me. I, I hate to let go sure. of of having it at the library and having it be something that brings people in to discover sure. what a remarkable place the, the library is. Well, maybe you can have some workshops there that are in partnership. Right. Yeah. I, I'm certainly uh, hoping to. We're also um, opening uh, a series of events in late March around the Minnesota Humanities Center's exhibit, Why Treaties Matter. And we're working with our Dakota relatives on the east side and the Lower Phelan Creek Project. Um, We will be hosting the exhibit that originates at the Minnesota Humanities Center, but it will be housed with us uh, for four weeks. And, And basically every Sunday from the last Sunday in March to the last Sunday in April, except for Easter, uh, we will be having programming. Uh, it will include uh, a, a youth native dance group, and wow. a youth native drumming group. Uh, we will hear from native elders on history. Um, and uh, on, the f- on, I think, the 14th of April, um, we will have a panel discussion that brings together people from both the Anishinaabe and Dakota communities with people from the Hmong, Karen, and Somali communities to explore the similarities in their experiences of being pushed off their land, confined in various kinds of camps, um, and forced to resettle. And we think it's really important for those stories to intersect so that people, again, can explore what they have in common um, rather than what's so different. So we have a wide variety of, of things with, with labor and work always at the center, but a wide variety of things coming up at the Eastside Freedom Library. I also see you've got a lot of good African drumming workshops going on, too. Right, so every, every Tuesday and Thursday after school, there is an African drumming workshop taught by Babatunde Lee. Thank you to the Minnesota State Arts Board for funding that work and making it possible for for us to do. And stay tuned. Uh, come June, we will be having a public concert at which the young people who have been doing these workshops will show us what they've learned. I always enjoy going to your event page, and I want to make sure the audience knows how to do that. It's the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org backslash events uh, dash calendar. Um, there are just, like, cool things that just strike me. The Southeast Asian line dancing, um, <laughs> that looks yes. just with, – with, with wellness that, yes. that's associated with that. Yes, taught by uh, Lisa Zhang, who works at the Neighborhood Development Center and has this uh, other identity as a Zumba line dancer yoga teacher. It's just it, – you, you don't know exactly what's going to be showing up, but it's always fun. I mean, there, you, you, you create that sense of uh, enthusiasm for, for all of the events that take right. place. Come join us at the Eastside Freedom Library. Thank you, Peter, for bringing great guests. Thank you, Robin. And uh, thank you to our friend Wendy. Uh, it was a great show, and I appreciated learning all the good things about the labor movement then, now, and in the future. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much.